Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Pat and Rose Show. Today is a walk down memory lane in some respects, but we also get insight from a nearly 10-year affiliate owner, um, a five-time regional athlete, and one heck of a human being, Nadia Shatilla. She's a wealth of knowledge, and you know what I liked about this show also, Pat? There's a lot of laughter. We had some fun, and we relived some old moments, and hope that you guys enjoy this conversation with Nadia Shatilla. Here it is in three, two, one, go. Sure was a family. Sure was a family man. So, so are we family? Okay, we got to well, keep. Well, I'm just. I gotta this, watch my f bombs. No, no, you don't have to. This. I mean, you are a seasoned Bulgarian. I mean, this. <laughs> and this can be. So, this is your show. We're here to keep. Is that? You, you. Uh, is that a real? Is that a real word? Bulgarian. I don't know. I like that. I'm pretty sure the word Bulgarian was used in a very old movie. I'm going to date myself. A fish called Wanda. Uh, <laughs> I think it's actually a place. It's a place you can be from in Game of Thrones. Yeah, but oh I, my God. I, I, that's a Targaryen. I significantly, I significantly curved my vulgarities based on a couple of things, but and like I said, who knows? We can keep this for the show if you want. We can just start talking. But one of them was, you know, I'm a big Seinfeld and big Larry David fan. Of course, Larry David obviously embraces the curse words as I did for the overwhelming majority of my life. And Seinfeld, you know, earned $800 million not doing it. And he was doing an interview that comedians in cars getting coffee. I think with Bill Burr, who's hysterical, and obviously another Bulgarian who's hysterical. Yes. And I'm going to paraphrase it, but Bill Burr basically was giving Jerry credit because he was like, man, it's easier to make people laugh with being over the top being super vulgar or whatnot he goes it's easier to get a laugh he's like to get out there and to get the crowd belly laughing crying and you haven't said a single bad word is like the next level it's he's like it's so much harder he's like my my hat's off to you and when i heard that i was like you know uh it is harder so i don't know i just started trying to do it yeah. because it was harder wow anyway good well, for you always then, up to the uh, challenge yeah, always huh? up for the challenge <clears throat> But then also Eminem said, Will Smith don't have to cuss in his raps to sell records. <laughs> yeah. But I but I do. But I do. There you go. There you go. So. And and you know the next line. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, Sherwood so. Sherwood's like my Sherwood's my spirit animal, so I try and follow suit as best I can. But every once in a while it slips out, you know. So right, if I'll you are to... if, if for people who are listening with their kids, just know that we have a Bulgarian and uh, it's your fault, not ours, if they hear a uh, cuss word. I've always found the vulgarity coming out of you. Nadia, even back in the day when we were all swearing like a bunch of sailors in the level one staff, <laughs> hysterical because, you know, I don't know, I don't, you don't fit the stereotype of, uh, you know, you're just like this, this little power pack that looks very, you know, well put together and all of a sudden just F-bombs are raining from the sky and you're like, what's happening here? <laughs> I can't help myself. I'm sorry. It's okay. It, it drives the point home. So is that a... And there's no there's no video component to this uh, as of yet, but there, there might be in the future. Um, but uh, when Pat says well put together, he means uh, rogue hat pulled down over your eyes, bathrobe, and uh, and an off colored shirt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and a side, and a like side a pony. I've never seen anyone pull off a bathrobe <laughs> and a rogue trucker hat. <laughs> this is what happens when you work from home for the morning. <laughs> oh, that's good. And- I'm lazy. You know what? I was trying to think when we were reviewing your questionnaire that we send out to all our guests, which is obvious you took approximately three minutes to fill out before you.
<laughs> just no passion whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys know me. Come on. Uh, are you? As long as I've known you, you've been a proud Seattleite, a proud Washingtonian. <laughs> but were you born and raised in Washington? I was raised in Washington. Um, I was raised in Olympia, and then I moved to Seattle for college. Okay, okay. So since so I, good, twenty years. I, oh wow, it's been twenty years. So another Isn't that crazy? I get a kick out of you about because you know now I'm in Washington State. I was telling, <laughs> telling Ro, Nadia makes me <laughs> laugh because her entire life is embedded in Seattle. Business owner, you know, she's engaged. I mean, been there two decades. And and she has nothing but just vile things to say about the city. <laughs> hey, it's growing on me a little bit more. Oh, I'll yeah. say that. <clears throat> yeah, like now I live close to Pike Place Market, so I can go grocery shopping in the market, which is really nice. Um, moved out of like the really kind of iffy neighborhood that you visited, mm-hmm. um, so it's a little bit better. Oh, I didn't realize that you had moved close to the market because every now and then. You know, we'll take the family down there to Seattle, and, and Pike's Place is a place to go. So you are, you're in that area now. I, I didn't know you moved. That's cool. Yeah, right by the market. It's really fun. Yeah. Did you see uh, how touristy I was when I came up for that open announcement that we did with you? <laughs> I got to catch the fish at the market. Oh, did you really? It was, it was epic. That's legit. It was legit. It was, it was radical, and they like, they, they were so into it. We, uh, we did some promo for the show, but I think we also did part of the opening for the show. But they like let me catch one and then catch the other one, and it took at least three. It took at least three times. That was going to be my next question. Did you was it the first time or did the slippery fish just fall right onto the floor? It was it was the second time, and those guys are pros. But I'm I'm going to put it on them. I'm going to say it was a bad throw. I'm I'm comfortable blaming on the quarterback. Oh man! So you used to live in. Was it Belltown? Was that where your old actually apartment was too? Yeah, Belltown proper. And now, what's is it Pike? Is Pike Place the? I guess it's like the Pike Place neighborhood. Yeah, I mean it's not that far, but it's it's different. Okay. It's maybe like a whole five six blocks, but it's a little bit different. You're you're moving on up in the world. Moving on up, Pat. (laughs) Seattle is there is once you get there, there's a lot of cool things to do in the city. There's things to see. There's museums. You know, you've got the water. You've got so many shops and eateries and coffee, but. Getting in there is a migraine-inducing nightmare of traffic, it's, congestion, um, to, almost to the point where it stifles any desire I have to do it. Absolutely. That's why I don't leave my little, like, 10-block radius, because it's so cumbersome to get anywhere and frustrating. Absolutely. You nailed it. You know, I remember one of the first times that I was uh, up there seeing you, back when you were a trainer at a Globo Gym. This, this <laughs> pre-affiliate uh, owner day. Oh, obviously. wow. Yeah. yeah. Now you own CrossFit Belltown. And you drove some car. And, of course, you know, it's like San Francisco. Like, parking is super tight. You know, if you find mm-hmm. a, a spot to parallel park on the road, <laughs> it is it, it's a dream come true. So there's this tight spot. We're going somewhere. And you're like, oh, man. You, like, you, you said something which made me believe parallel parking wasn't your strong suit. And then you pulled in, you like slowed down, and you were backing up. And I remember looking around in confusion because I thought maybe you had a backup camera because you weren't 
looking backwards. You just put the car in reverse, <laughs> and you started backing up, but you were still looking out the windshield. Like, you weren't looking at any of the rearview mirrors, and there was no backup car. And then when I questioned you as to what was going on, you're like, I just kind of go slow until I tap something. <laughs> oh, that is so true. I know. I'm terrible with my mirrors. I don't... I, I don't know. Why, I don't know why they put them on there. Oh. Why do they even put them on there? You know, I don't and that, know that's yeah, that's what that's what they call them bumpers, right? <laughs> would this would this have been the same trip? While, while we're just kind of BSing and we're telling stories, would that have been the same trip as the infamous uh, hippie face palm? And is that a, a story worth telling? I, I mean, we can we can touch it, but the episode's about her. <laughs> I know, but she was there. Involves, yeah. I mean, it started me. it. She was she was the bringer together of those two people. Well, you know, I don't, I don't want to put a jaded thing on it. So, uh, you know, if you want, Nadia, you, you can give just a quick, a quick one-minute recap of what has become known as the Spoon Man story. The Spoon Man story. Okay. So, Pat came to Seattle, as I believe you had never drank coffee before. Is that I correct? Drank coffee before. I hadn't had a single cup of coffee in my life. And what? What? How old were you? I don't know, 35. I mean, early 30s. Uh, somewhere in my 30s. You're so basically. weird. It was almost 10 years ago, Pat. Okay, so early okay. 30s, yeah. Yeah, early 30s. So Pat never had coffee. What better place to take him than the original Starbucks, right? I mean, come on. So we went to the original Starbucks. Uh, it was crazy. I believe it was around the holidays. So tons of tourists, just a lot of people. Um, a woman in a stroller, I vaguely remember, right? <laughs> Out of the right. corner of my eye. Uh, we were in line, which was out the front door of the Starbucks in Pike Place Market. And there was some Seattle dude that was playing spoons i remember on his palm and banging things in his hand and all over his body parts like a a four-person band like that's what it was okay hippie fairy dust band yes that's that's exactly (laughs) i think (laughs) that was probably the name of the band (laughs) shoeless fairy dust hippie band i I love love those guys I love it. And he's banging his spoons all over the place. And Pat and I are in line. I recall he tapped Pat on the shoulder with the spoon. And Pat turned around and said, hey, man, that's enough. Or something along those lines. He was very clear. Don't Leave me bring me alone. into your performance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, of course, two seconds later, the guy is having nothing of it and hits Pat again with the spoons. This time a little bit harder. And all I recall is Pat turns around with the most beautiful core to extremity movement. I have seen and face palms the guy and he falls on the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's staring just like in horror. <laughs> look at you. Look at you in your past life, man. Oh, I, I <laughs> almost just, a decade ago. I just remember. <laughs> I mean, first of all, the man assaulted me. <laughs> with, with, his spoon. with a foreign object I was assaulted after I had given him one verbal warning that this was not kosher behavior and he then knowingly stepped to the line and did it out of just arrogance and attitude and I hey. remember when he did tumble to the ground then all kinds of like little charms fell out of his vest and like a little a little satchel of you know some glitter. sort of glitter I mean like just it was such a Seattle hippie experience, and I mean, and then one of the other, the band came to a screeching halt, right? <laughs> and some of the band members was like, "Hey, man!" Like you know, did said something, and I was just like, "Oh, I gotta get out of the city." So you know I what's funny? You, you know what's funny that you didn't know at the time, though, Pat. They do that for everyone who's having their first cup of coffee at the original <laughs> Starbucks. 
and, and, it was and, a celebration. It was a celebration of you, and you ruined it. And then we decided to vacate to the area, back. so I never got coffee at that Starbucks. That's true. We left. We were mortified. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think it was mortified. But but this actually might be a nice segue to that. That long ago, you were not this incredible owner of CrossFit Belltown. CrossFit Belltown did not exist. Yet you were involved in the fitness world. So what what were you doing at that time? Well, at that time, I was working at a Globo gym um, and also an event planner at a nonprofit and training people just on the side, doing one-on-one personal training, mostly CrossFit. And then I not decided to start. Gym, though. Let's, let's not rush the story. This was a oh, very hoity-toity, <clears throat> fancy, like... You had these little uniforms that almost looked like <laughs> gas station attendant, gas station attendant, vintage ripped shirts or something. I mean, yes, give us the full true. scoop of where you worked. <laughs> I completely forgot about the uniform. It was it was like a gas station attendant, but vintage. You're right. And then we had to wear, get ready for this, jeans. Like what trainer trains in jeans? Like, come on. That's, and I that's remember like, that's like a pet peeve of mine. Yeah, I remember like actually demonstrating a squat and ripping my jeans one time with my clients. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I can't believe it. Squat. Yeah, no, never. Um, so I was working in the Globo Gym one on one training, started some small group classes and affiliated inside the Globo Gym, a little mini affiliate oh, for I uh that you affiliated about inside that. the gym. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah, because I was training um, one-on-one, but just like, you know, Coach Glassman says, like, you end up having more and more clients that want to train, and I didn't have enough time slots. So I was like, well, let's just combine everybody and do a group class, and we'll do it at night, Tuesday and Thursday. And I got the approval. We built a pull-up bar, and we got a set of rings, um, got a barbell and some plates, and then we used a lot of the uh, Group X body pump equipment I remember that like really small bars and the tiny plates and we just started like we had 10 people and we started CrossFit Queen Anne like my air quotes Queen Anne um when, when you say you the got time. the approval do you mean from the CrossFit affiliate team or you mean the owner of that Globo gym from the owner of the Globo gym so then I affiliated with the affiliate team so when it first started he thought this is going to be great we're all going to march into the sunset together and be victorious Yes. He was like, oh, sweet. So you can train 10 people at once instead of one. You're going to make me more money, I think is what he thought. Gotcha. Okay. What happened next? <laughs> then uh, it was great. We were using the body pump stuff, but we ended up like bending their equipment, like their bars. So we put so much weight on there trying to do clean and jerks. We bent all their gears. They didn't like that. Um, we were a distraction in the gym because the space, I don't know if you remember, Pat, I think you went there once. Uh, we were downstairs. Down in the dungeon, wasn't it? Down in the dungeon in this far corner. And we had like one pull-up bar um, that was like built into the walls, like across the gym. And then we'd have to do Helen and we would have to run up a flight of stairs to the treadmills upstairs. And of course, it was like awesome. taking place during the busiest hours of the Globo gym and we're like fighting for treadmills that we'd get on and we'd do our 400 meter sprint. We'd run down the stairs, do our kettlebell swings and pull-ups, run back up. And it was a little bit uh, chaotic, but Disruptive it was super Disruptive to the regular clients and their Disruptive, genes. absolutely, absolutely. People looked at us like we were crazy. Um, and then after bending the equipment and then we got a few too many clients, people that were working with other trainers wanted to join CrossFit. So then there was a problem there because they were losing clients and obviously you make more money <clears throat> with the one-on-one model. So he asked me to leave 
<laughs> and I was like, all right, I guess that's happening. So I essentially got fired and we they weren't nice about it. They were not nice about it at all. Yeah. yeah, you guys probably remember that. Uh, yeah, correct. But, but give wrong, that some give that some depth. Yeah, wasn't there like a you signed a non compete and so <laughs> help you God if you try to do something? Am I making that up or was that how it went down? No, that's that's right. We had a non compete and so I wasn't allowed to train in a ten mile radius for I think it was I can't recall if it was two years or three years. It was something ridiculous like that. Um, so it makes, means you have to leave Seattle. Yeah, basically. You had to leave Seattle proper, and all my clients were here. Um, I luckily was able to get out of that because the training style we were doing was so different than what they were doing in the Globo Gym that it really wasn't – it was a non-issue at the end of the day. Interesting. So basically, hey, we're doing functional movements. You're not doing functional. We're doing group classes. You're doing individual. So right. sue me if you and want you to. Want Right. And he didn't want me to actually train them using CrossFit anyway in the global gym. So I'm like, well, if you don't want me to train people using this methodology here, then what's the issue? Yeah. We're doing something completely different. So that's right. And, and it was probably a blessing, uh, you know, in disguise, I'm, I'm guessing. Right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. You off on your way. absolutely. It really gave me, it really forced me to have to open up my own spot and kind of take that leap because I'd quit my event planning job about three months prior and so then I was really struggling I was like all right now I don't even have my main job as an income I don't have my personal training job anymore I've got to figure this out and this is uh, give, give, give a time frame just because I was creeping on uh, on your Instagram and I saw that recently you had your 10 year anniversary of your L1 yes so that was 07 so, so is this 07 08 kind of this was 09 so this started I opened the affiliate in the global gym February or March of 09 and then got kicked out in September. And then that was park time. So we had park time from September till November. And then I opened up my first actual brick and mortar location, December 1st, 2009. I forgot you went to a park. Yeah, we were in the park. September. Like my clients all hit the gym when I got fired. So they found out because there was all of a sudden no more classes. I wasn't there. I was not allowed to reach out to them, but they were allowed to reach out to me, obviously. So they did. And then they all went in and canceled their memberships. Oh, and so how many, they were how telling How many people were in the exodus? Do you remember, roughly? 12. Okay. Now, yeah. now, September, October, November, depending upon the year we're having, is not nice time <laughs> to train outdoors in Washington State. What, what was it like it as a park? So we did the park for a few months until I think October where when the weather really got bad. And then I actually sent my clients to uh, Dave Warner's gym. He was uh, the first affiliate. And so I sent them there. I said, you're going to be in good hands. Uh, when I get set up, if you guys want to come back, great. If not, whatever. They ended up coming back and that was really cool. So they went and trained in their own spot with Dave for a couple of months. We came online December 1st and we just started rolling from there. Okay. okay, so, so <clears throat> that's really interesting. So you've got Dave Dave Warner opening, excuse me, had the uh, the first affiliate. And what an interesting business CrossFit is, right? That you can say, hey, I'm going to send some people to your gym. You just kind of take them in for a while. And then at some point in the future, <laughs> I'm going to ask for them back. I mean, was, uh, <laughs> was, that, was he just like, hey, cool, do what you got to do? Yeah, well, Dave actually was my second CrossFit coach, if you will. So when I started doing CrossFit in the Globo Gym, I worked with some guy that just had found CrossFit on the internet and was putting me through workouts. 
And once I found out maybe six months later that what I was doing had a name <laughs> called CrossFit, I just started looking it up online and I found a real CrossFit gym, which was Dave Warner's gym. And he was out in a hangar back in the day. There was a hangar like 15 minutes outside of the city. And I would drive out there on Saturdays and a couple times a week and I would train with him. So I knew him pretty well and he coached me a lot and I did some private training with him so that I could really learn how to teach CrossFit. Because at the time, it, there wasn't like a ton of people obviously doing CrossFit where I could go pick their brains and he'd already been doing it for a long time. So I felt pretty comfortable sending my clients to him and we had a great relationship. So yeah, it was pretty unique uh, scenario there to be able to send somebody to another gym and know that they're going to be well taken care of and then know that potentially they're probably going to come back and everything's going to be cool. I have a quick question, Ro, and then I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep potentially cutting you off there. We, we can circle back to you finishing up at the park and then starting your actual first brick and mortar place. But yeah. what you said there I found was interesting because you said somebody taught you how to coach CrossFit properly and how to do all of that. And, I, and then I realized that I don't know anything else because I was never a trainer at a quote-unquote gym, global gym. So all I know in how you would run a class, how you would instruct somebody – is what I know through CrossFit. You actually, so what is the difference between how we all know you should coach a CrossFit class or whatnot and the type of coaching or training that you would do wearing the jeans in the fancy Seattle hoity-toity gym with the vintage shirt on? You know, What did coaching look like in that environment? When I actually used CrossFit methodology, is that what you're no, asking? No, like pre-CrossFit pre days. Like oh, pre-CrossFit, yeah. what was I doing? Yeah, what do those yes. trainers do, so to speak? Because I don't know that world at all. Oh my gosh. Well, essentially you walk in and if I remember correctly, there was like certain plans you would follow. And so you were just walking people around with a clipboard and like today's leg day. So you might warm them up on the treadmill and they'd walk for five minutes and you'd talk to them about their day. And then you'd put them on these rows of machines and everything was already laid out for you of what to do. You're essentially just following a plan of you're going to leg press, you're going to do three by 12. Here's the weight you're going to use. And then we move them to the next piece of equipment. So arguably, if they had the clipboard, they wouldn't need you. Absolutely. <laughs> it was really just accountability. Well, you were trained to make the checks in the proper boxes. and that's Exactly. That. that was it pretty much. Yeah. Unbelievable, isn't it? Interesting. But that's, that's, the, that's the business model that we tried to rise up against. So that's, it's fascinating yeah. that, that that's where you came. So anyway, sorry for that little. Uh, that no, little that's bird. fine. So, no. You said, so, Pat, you never lived in that world. I, I, I had to live in that world, too. Did you really? And, uh, uh, yeah, well, oh, yeah, well, I, well, I never actually um, earned my stripes, so to speak. Like, I was going through one of the Alphabet Soup organizations, but my, I, I, I'll never forget it because the title of my job when I worked at Global Gym was um, Floor Concierge. Wow. So I was, I, was like a, I was like a floater, you know? It's like, not just, but like cleaning equipment, picking up the towels. Um, and mind you, like, I was a ski bum at the time. Like, I, I really... I just wanted to work out for free. And so like on days where there wasn't good snow, I would go to the gym, but I was working towards, um, a certification of, of, of some sort, um, which is exactly what you're talking about. You know, it's just like protocols for like, oh, okay, well, you know, here today we're going to do your literally buys and tries and here's how right. we're going to separate this thing out. And, and here's the protocols you would go through. Um, but it is a funny world and that's exactly the same thing for me is that's when I found CrossFit and it was like just the, the knowledge or like, you know, the truth bomb just opened up and I was like, what am I doing? You know, this right. is a complete waste of time. Um, right. Floor concierge. Floor concierge. 
That's a great title. How can, I help you, how can I help you today? I was, uh, yeah, and and uh, I'm not gonna lie, it was easy. It was fun. Oh, I'm I'm sure. And so I mean, we 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 did this podcast a little different. I guess we haven't done the intro yet. So during the intro, we can let people know who Nadi is. But you know, currently the owner of CrossFit Belltown. I, I don't want to jump to the end, but the difference in your story is so fascinating to me. From starting in the dungeon of the Globo Gym, being you know didn't want to you're a nuisance you're an annoyance get out of here you can't compete to now you're affiliate and people haven't been there or haven't even just seen it online they should go and check out crossfit belltown we, we used to make fun of you in a, in a loving way all the time but your gym looks like a crossfit gym that's take the, that is combination crossfit gym uh restoration hardware <laughs> mixed with like you know a high-end beautiful shop like a Maybe it's something you'd see on like a home design TV program. It's it's like such a beautiful gym that you're like, is it okay if I get chalk on the floor? <laughs> so how, how far you've come is crazy. So you go to the park, Dave Warner helps you out, and then what you're searching one of the most expensive cities in the world for a place to rent with with 12 clients, maybe income. I mean, what what is that? No process? income. Yeah, exactly. How it was so stressful. It was so stressful. Um, I remember. I vaguely remember someone hooked me up with this really great guy in real estate and he helped me find a space. I said, here's what I want. He'd worked with another CrossFit affiliate owner. So he kind of knew what CrossFit was. And, uh, we stumbled across upon a space that was a thousand square feet in the bottom of an apartment complex. And the rent just happened to be really, really cheap. And they only wanted me to sign a one year lease. So I was like, all right, if I go into this, I've got, this is a risk, but it's not as large of a risk as signing a five-year lease. So that's where we started. And you started with zero equipment, I assume? Zero equipment. So I think we had one barbell, as you know, um, a set of plates. And then um, I think we bought a couple, no, not Dynamax. We went to the, like, a big five sporting goods store and just got some balls that you could use for wall balls. We had like two. And I think I had a couple sets of dumbbells and that was it. And we were working on like working out on concrete. Like the gym was just a disaster, but we got it done. Everything was kind of team workouts or people would rotate through a lot of body weight stuff. And then we slowly just like every month would buy a new piece of gear. So one pull up bar, one yeah. barbell. Yeah. Uh, Couple sets of dumbbells no, and we're not talking. There's no rower. There's no assault bikes back. Oh then. no! There's oh gosh! No. Balls. There's no yeah. beautiful matting on the floor. There's no <laughs> nope. platforms. There's no showers. There's no right. And you're like, okay, we're gonna do this. This is my CrossFit affiliate. Yep. And I would just hope I'm like, I hope people come and I hope we can <laughs> work this out. And I mean, we started to grow, which was great. But probably about four months into the lease, I got an email saying that they were actually gonna demolish the building. And they were going to really, yeah. And so I was like, Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Like, we're just picking up steam and they're going to kick us out in six more months. And I have no idea. Like, am I just going to shut the gym down? And again, luckily that awesome guy in real estate helped us and we found another location. So being there only a year, I ended up having to move again. Oh, okay. So this is the, you went from the global gym to the park to the 1000 square feet. Now that yeah. get demolished, now you're in location number four. Essentially, yes. Mm-hmm. What's, was, what was the, did you increase square footage and how long was so, the lease? 
Yeah, we increased. Let me see. Before we moved out, though, believe it or not, this is unbelievable. We lit, we were in that apartment building complex. And November of that year, we were coming up on a year. We were moving out in like a month. Uh, the building flooded, and it flooded our gym. Dude. <laughs> I know. So what? like. The, u- the universe was like, right. it was you can take this the wrong like, way. Yeah, exactly. I know. I was like, gosh, this is really a challenge opening up a grassroots affiliate. Um, so we, everything flooded. At that time, we had platforms. So we had to pull all of that, get all of our gear out, uh, clean the place. And luckily, I believe like a month later, we were moving. So we were in limbo for a little bit, moved into the newer space, which was like 2,500 square feet, and essentially just started over and continued to grow. And we were there for probably three years, I think, two to three years, I can't remember. Uh, but that entire time we were dealing with noise issues, just like vibrations, people were complaining, sound. And so we were trying to get out of that lease, which we did about um, three years later. I, I want to, I'm curious because, uh, I don't know, it's, I, I'm so stoked that you're on our, our show <laughs> here because uh, our connection was we basically kind of came up in the L1s at the same time. Yes. So was this this whole stuff is is overlaying that time period, right? Correct. You're right. I came up on seminar staff in 2008, so right before I started the affiliate. Okay. And then so my, yeah, tie that in because I'm I'm guessing like well I know that that that's helpful to have such a cool network of well one top performers and top minds and in. in the application of CrossFit, but also really successful gym owners. So you could like pick their brains. So right. w- walk me through that. Like in 2000, in 2008, around the same time, you must've taken the old school level two. Yes. Just kind of tell people about that process. The old school level two. Yeah, or just oh, like, yeah, come, come, coming up back then, you know, like what was it? What was it like? So you yeah. were fired up about CrossFit. You got your level one, you're starting, right. you're starting a gym. Um, so kind of we'll, we'll tie that in before we get to like what Belltown now looks like. Sure. Um, well, I mean, if you guys remember back then, there just wasn't a ton of information. There weren't all of these businesses out there with software and programming and whatnot. Right. So you were really relying on other affiliate owners to help you out. So you're always asking questions. Um, I started seminar staff in 2008 and was so fortunate to work with people who've run an affiliate like Pat at the time when he was running Virginia Beach and we would talk through stuff and scenarios and how to set stuff up and best practices and uh, then I started working a little bit more frequently, 2009 and 2010, and it was really great just being able to brainstorm with people who've been doing this for a while, like Curtis Bowler, for example, who's had his affiliate for like 13 years now. Right. Yeah. So I worked with him a lot and was able to ask a lot of great questions and get some guidance. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was I feel really fortunate to have had that opportunity early on and to be able to have access to people who've been doing this longer than I had. Yeah. And I want to selfishly relive too. like, let, let's get into the actual, like, what did it look like to get onto seminar staff back then? Cause it was really, it was a badge of honor. Right. Oh and it, but it was also kind of part biker gang, part fraternity, part, yeah. um, really cool science club. Right. Um, so walk people through, cause I think a lot of listeners probably don't know. I know that we're going to re we're going to re, um, apply or we're, we're going to reinstate, so to speak, uh, uh, something that's going to look very similar to that old school level two. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, after you'd taken your level one, you thought you had your chops, 
tell people what you had to do if you wanted to get on CrossFit seminar stuff. Oh my goodness. Well, first thing you had to take that and pass the level two, yeah. which back then, like, oh my goodness, I was so nervous. Yeah. I remember flying. <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to tell this story. I remember flying to San Diego to Coronado and uh, studying in my hotel room for like days prior, just like trying to remember all of the professions and how am I gonna teach all of this stuff. And at level two, I had Nicole Carroll, Adrian Bosman, Andy Stump, uh, and I think um, someone else was there. I can't recall. They were interning. That's a great it, crew right there. It yeah. was a great crew. And you guys know how uh, intimidating that would be for someone who's pretty new to coaching. Like I hadn't coached groups yet, I don't think. Or, you know, it was really small groups. And the first day was really just practical stuff. We learned and worked on some drills. And the second day, you had to teach the nine foundational movements, a couple of them, to your peers while the trainers were sitting there and evaluating you. And you didn't know how you did. Go ahead. Yeah. What, just Go not for, saying a word, right? Like that, yeah, that, not saying I think word. For, poker faces. Yeah. So at the, at the, and making notes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the yes. L1, at the, if anybody who's been to an L1, like you go into those groups and it's like you raise your hand, you ask a question, and it's very like there's an exchange of information. And at the level two, and this is just from my memory, I did yeah. mine at Coronado also. Stumpf was there also. And day one, he's effusive and friendly and ask me any questions you want and blah, blah, blah. And they gave you fair warning, but day two, they shut up and they just judged you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're just watching you teach and no matter anytime you stumbled or you didn't do something as good as you thought you could do you just see him write something down what, what are you writing bro you know like you there didn't was know no was jumping in they didn't jump in and like save you or help yeah. you at any point yeah and do you remember like before you went to your l2 i remember hearing horror stories of people like <laughs> at the end they would debrief you on whether or not you passed and everyone yes. would be sitting in one part of the gym and the debriefs would take place kind of in a separate room and they'd call you in one by one to let you know if you passed or failed and people would come out just crying. And I remember some gyms would open up, like if they had alcohol there, you would be just sitting there and drinking while you waited. (laughs) You could calm your nerves. Um, But I remember going to my level two and on, I actually attended my level two with Dave Warner. And um, the day that we were gonna take, do the practical exam and you had to teach people, I like legitimately had to put some Baileys or something in my coffee. I remember I'm like, I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta do what I gotta so do. Nervous. I gotta do what Wait, I gotta do because I gotta pass bef- this test. Oh, so before coaching or or before your debrief? No, before my coaching. I like it. I so I, dude, tricks of the trade. So you're like, you can't, you're not gonna get that in any manual. No, exactly. you're not going to get that in jeans and a vintage shirt. He's in your coffee. Just kind of take the nerves, you know, out of there. Takes the edge off, and you're good to go. Oh. And it smells good on your breath if you got to get in there and do some <laughs> manual adjustments. You know, clients totally. are going to think, "Wow, totally." She, she pays attention to detail. And unless you've lived that experience, even hearing the story and laughing along with us, it's really tough to comprehend how palpable the stress is in that oh environment. God. It is. The people who went through that level two style, they are legitimately tested in fire, you know, and if they <laughs> did pass, and the pass rate was super low. I don't yeah. remember what it was, but it wasn't anywhere near 50-50. It was no. extremely low. That yeah. If you were one of those people that walked away with the old school level two and you like, yep, everyone scrutinized everything that I did and I passed. You, yeah. You were a capable, confident trainer that could really run a small group and you knew your stuff inside and out not just you know doing a little bubble test but when you had to speak to yeah. other people and fix real problems you could do it and yeah that's the that's coming back around and yeah, yeah. What, and, so and but would, still oh sorry go ahead i was gonna say 
I don't want this to scare anybody off. It, <laughs> but it is, you know, I'm not going to lie. It is scary because people don't. That environment just is is just stressful. But the value that you will get out of that, whether you pass or fail, you will learn so much about where you are, where you need to improve. That it's well worth it. So I, I hope people dive into that. And and still though, it didn't stop there. And again, like this is being selfish because. Um, this is one of my favorite times of my oh, life, Lord. and and I was around doing the same stuff at the same time, and a lot of my early seminar work was with Nadia, so that's why I'm kind of like selfishly reliving this as well. <laughs> but so you go through that stressful environment and say you did well, well then you still had three internships, which were basically, at this point it's like if you're a firefighter, guys guys want to make sure that you can like fit in at the at the firehouse, right? It's kind of the equivalent of that. It's like let's make sure, okay, so you, you pass the initial test, but now let's take it to the streets and make sure you're a good cultural fit. Let's make sure yeah. that you can do this in the actual environment that you need to be and that you're a generally helpful person. So um, tell me about your first, I don't know where you did your internships <laughs> or who they were with, but those are always great stories. Oh boy. <laughs> so I did my first internship actually before I took my L2 and I remember getting the trainer email. I had no idea what was going on. I just remember Dave Castro was like, hey, do you want to intern? And I'm like, oh wow, that's pretty cool. So I said, sure, I'd love to. What do you need from me? And he just sends this trainer email, and on the email, I was set to demo everything. So for all of the lectures, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is huge. Like I'd only seen Nicole Carroll and Annie Sakamoto and these, you know, heroes that move so well up there demoing. I'm like, oh my goodness. So I wrote him back and I said, fantastic, happy to do it. And he, all he wrote back, I remember, was, don't fuck it up. <laughs> statement. Like, True statement. Okay, Another so I remember. Yeah, totally. So I remember just practicing, practicing uh, in the mirror, videotaping, all of that, and then went to my internship. The first one was fine. Uh, the second internship, I recall, was probably six months later. There just wasn't another seminar in our area. And I went to that. And that was great as well. I demoed, kind of helped out with the groups. But I remember the day one workout was Fran. And the two heats prior had went. Dave Castro was the flow master. And there was an empty bar. <laughs> and you know, I'm thinking I'm just coaching, and Dave's like, "Hey, get in here and do this workout." <laughs> so part of my, you know, internship process was doing Fran and, and oh, with everybody else at the seminar. Uh, but it was really fun. It was a great experience, but it was super nerve wracking. I mean, the amount of feedback you get, uh, the instruction and guidance was great. It made me a much better trainer. But it was one of the most stressful things I've probably been through career wise. Two, two important questions: Did you PR? I did. Yes. That a girl. I mean, it's impossible not to. Um, and on that way, in that one, would they have let you be hands on? Because I remember there was a general. Generally, they said in the first time you intern, you're basically just going to be helpful. You're going to be in the yeah. periphery. You're not even really going to. You make some corrections, maybe to the outside of these group circles. But did you actually get your to do some hands on coaching? Um, I remember floating around with Todd and just helping on the outside of his groups, but not a lot of hands on coaching on my second internship. I don't think there was really a process yet. They were just, yeah. you know, finding staff and whatnot. So I just kind of tried to be helpful wherever I could and coach during parts of the workouts and hung out and tried to learn as much as I could. I remember that was that was how it was supposed to roll out, right? It was like yeah. the, you, you were mentored through it. Well, my, my first three internships, well, all three internships were with Stump as the flow master. Oh boy. <laughs> and I swear to you, the very first thing that happened on the very first day, after he had given me some like some choice words and a, and a very unfriendly welcome, 
we walked, <laughs> we Not walked surprising. up. Yeah, we walked up to the squat group, and he says to me as we're walking up there, he's like, he's like, just stay out of the way, like, just, just don't, don't mess anything up. We get to the group, and he said, uh, he said, what's up, guys? Uh, I'm Andy. This is Rory. He's gonna teach you how to squat. And then he walked back and just started watching me. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> just hung me out to dry, and I was like, bah, 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 bah. deep wow. end of the pool, baby, right there. Totally. Deep end of the pool. All the way in. It's Intimidation amazing. tactics. All right. So, uh, so now I think that was sorry for the, uh, the little uh, dip into that pool. Well, I would, but I would, let's stay there for one second. For one yeah, second yeah. before we go back to to the current day Belltown. Because I remember that, too, totally new on staff, you know, demoing, okay, then you didn't mess that up. Yeah, maybe we'll let you do the presses lecture, yeah. see if you can, you know, walk and chew gum at the same time. And then little <laughs> by little, you get more experience from demo to lecturer to trainer to whatever to, you know, the top of the food chain at the level one circuit traveling around the country is what we call a flow master, basically the master of ceremonies where much like Dave was the flow master at that level one that you said, Nadia, <laughs> now, you know, he was running the show, making sure everyone did what they were supposed to do, the participants get what they're supposed to, that you stay on time, that everything's hit. You are now a flow master. I mean, from that, what you just said right there, nervous, brand, newbie, novice, to now yeah. you're the one overseeing everybody many, many years later. And from one seminar to now, do you have any clue how many seminars you have done all over the world? <laughs> um, I'm, I know roughly about 315, I think Wow. somewhere in that vicinity. Yeah. That's incredible. So, I mean, let me break up my handy dandy calculator. <laughs> so let's assume that you don't work new years or Christmas. So, I mean, if you're traveling 50 weeks a year, you know, yeah. in a different city or country every weekend of your life, you said 300 and how many? I think 15, okay, I think somewhere in that area. Divided by... Dang. That's basically 6.3 years of traveling the world nonstop and just meeting literally tens of thousands of people, seeing I don't even know how many squats, how many push <laughs> how many whatever. So many. Absolutely incredible. It's just, but I mean, congratulations. You've come. Thank you. So far now to be one of our, our most seasoned, <laughs> most seasoned top people out there, quite frankly, on top of no being doubt. a business owner. It's wild. Thank you. What would you, uh, I, I, I um, again, I'm going into my own memory bank here, but yeah, you remember being at, uh, USD and we were both, <laughs> all we were doing was uh, university of San Diego. Uh-huh. Both of us were only doing what Pat was talking about. The movement lectures at the time. Yep. I think you were about to do your first programming lecture Ooh, or something to that effect. One. And you were stressed out, crazy stressed out. And I was stressed out just about whatever I was doing. And uh, we were talking to Boz. And um, he said something just in a very Boz kind of casual offhanded way. And he was like, oh, yeah, you should be able to give any lecture at the drop of a hat or something like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. But um, what what now with the perspective? Like if you think about yourself back then and you think about, like Pat said, you've come so far. What advice would you give to yourself back then or a trainer who's like, you know, kind of just cutting their teeth in the training world. Mm-hmm. Um, try to surround yourself with as many good trainers as possible. Pick their brains, study, 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 like watch, read, learn everything inside and outside of CrossFit and just continue to chip away bit by bit. 
and know that you're never going to know as much as you think you need to know, if that makes sense. Like there's always something to learn and you just got to keep working at it. It's tough, but it can be done. Yeah, I know uh, you're, you're, you're a very strong preparer. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like you're one of those people that can make it, uh, you, you prepare well enough to make it, you make it look effortless. But I know that it gets in, in some, the pre-preparation and like, you know, building yourself up. So I love watching you work. Um, Pat, should we get back to Belltown? Yeah, we can't. You know, with 300. I, I could, li- I could live in, I could live I in this past all the time, like we, the, we, for we'll a long time. We'll definitely go back to Belltown. 315 flights, majority out of gorgeous, <laughs> gorgeous SeaTac International. I mean, Best you, airport in the world. I'm sure you have your packing system down you know snacks and entertainment and whatnot i mean what are your must-have travel items for somebody that's such a world traveler food number one food um pat remember when i got fined for bringing those almonds into australia never do not do that (laughs) three hundred dollar fine three hundred dollar fine for sneaking almonds into australia she's going to crash the entire ecosystem (laughs) yeah i got pulled over got a ticket yeah so don't do that Um, other than that, I love, I mean, I pack so much food. I think I bring all of my meals usually every weekend with exception of Saturday night. Um, let's see. Do you, like you, you pack not just a snack for the plane. You're saying you pack your meals for the weekend. Correct. Really? Oh, what does a meal meal look like that keeps well during that? I usually make like for breakfast, little, uh, egg white and egg cups or like a frittata that can travel. And then I just cut it up and heat it up. Um, I bring a lot of potatoes, rice and chicken, uh, rice and beef, a lot of little, I mean, I try to not do the snacks, but sometimes I'll bring like smash packs or RX bars, protein powders, that kind of stuff. I bring a lot of overnight oats that works really well for breakfast or a little snack. What is that? Overnight oats. You've never had overnight oats. Oh, they're so good. You just take oats and then you put some almond milk or whatever kind of milk you want in there. Um, you can, I like to put a little bit of honey and almond butter and you put it in a container, mix it up and then leave it in your refrigerator overnight. And you have a nice like cold, it tastes like an oatmeal cookie essentially, but cold. Learned that from Kariana actually a while ago. Let's get down to brass. Oh, hold on a second. Let's get down to brass tacks. <laughs> You're on the flight. Oh boy. Are you... A book reader do you have noise canceling headphones and a little ipad to watch movies like what's how do you pass the time because you've spent a lot of time on flights a lot of time on flights i definitely have the noise canceling headphones um totally um i watch movies i watch documentaries i read a little bit sleep a lot um i try not to work on the airplane it's kind of my time to disconnect and just unwind Mm -hmm. sometimes i study but not you know but I also, I, I know you to be um, a girl who takes care of herself. <laughs> and I also know that in the seminar world, it's badge of honor sometimes to not check baggage. Oh, yeah. I don't you, check baggage. You never check baggage. No. But you bring all, you bring all the products bags. and stuff? Like you bring oh, all yeah. The, I bring so it all. Gotta... I will fight to bring, get my bag on the airplane. I do <laughs> yeah. not like waiting. I'm sorry. When you travel that much, like every minute counts. And I don't no want to get somewhere and have to wait 30 minutes for my bag and then like dig around for it. That, sh- that really just annoys me. So yeah, yeah. I fit it all in my carry-on. How, There's still a lot of like rolling of stuff. How frustrating and awful <laughs> would it be? And, and no one did anything wrong when you'd have a bunch of veterans traveling to a city or meeting in like, you know, wherever, Copenhagen, like you're going somewhere, everyone gets there, everyone walks off the plane with, you know, a backpack and another <laughs> bag, and there's the one guy's like, hey guys, it's my fifth seminar, can we have a baggage claim? You're like, baggage claim? What did you check, a bag? Like, hey, this Rick, guy, what are you this guy doing? sucks. <laughs> exactly. 
exactly. <laughs> we got to get to the food and get to the hotel. Yep, Come on. Yep, yep a, I totally a, understand. A, all right. <laughs> what about uh, TSA Pre, Global Entry? You got it all? That's all of it, man. Yeah, all yeah. of it. It makes such a difference. Like, I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, I don't know. It's just too much time waiting around, but it's huge. Super okay, helpful. Cool. Everything adds up. Okay, I, I'm, I'm content, Ro. I'm content. Let's get back to this whole affiliate thing. I want to go back to now. I want to go back to USD. I mean, now that you I don't remember the swimming workout. We Dude, did. I was gonna bring up the swimming workout. <laughs> <laughs> that was so fun. What's, what's, this, what's the swimming workout? But do you workout? know my favorite part about the swim workout? Okay, is clue cool. us in. I clue us in. <laughs> okay, so, so so what is it? Is it is it me, you, Todd? Uh, Boz was there. It was me Drew and Nadia. With Drew Thompson was probably flowing. And Stefan. And Stefan, of course. And uh, we decided it was like put push-ups and, and swimming, I think, right? Because USD kettlebells. Oh, yeah, that was dangerous. So, yeah, it was like swim a lap, do some kettlebell swings, swim a lap, uh, do some push-ups. And so one is that I found out at this, at this point in time that, that Adrian's not really made for the water, which is, which is if that ever comes up in the open, I'm going to smash him. Uh, the, uh, but the second thing that was my favorite thing is like I'm just in the heat of the moment, face down. I think Todd Whitman's a fantastic swimmer. I'm trying to keep up. And I jump out to like do some push-ups. And I see Nadia. And she's, she does her kettlebell swings. She gingerly lets herself down into the pool. And then kind of like just bounces across like keep, all the while keeping her hair perfectly out of the water. Oh, that's amazing. Like, it wasn't a swim workout anymore. It was like a waiting workout. <laughs> Totally. Do you know how long it takes to flat iron and blow dry this hair out, Rory? My goodness. I'm not hating on you, Claire. I'm not hating on you. It was, actually, you probably got across the pool just as fast as Adrian. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Sorry, Boz. <laughs> but, uh, oh, that was a great time. We had some good times back then, guys. Uh, that was, yeah, what a cool venue, too. Um, for those that, did you ever work there, Pat? Oh, yeah, yeah. USD was great. Yeah, it's a little private university on a hill in San Diego. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a swimming pool. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, awesome those, weight room. Those were the days. Yep. All right, let's get back to the present. All right, here we go. Let's stop living in the past because uh, <laughs> you do have a super unique space and gym. We kind of danced around it a little bit, but I think we should tell people, well, if you're listening to this show and you've never seen CrossFit Belltown, you should Google it and uh, check out the many, many, many videos that have been made on it, like profiles of the gym. But tell me, I don't know, tell me in your words, like, what are you most proud of? Well, hold, hold on. C correct me if I'm wrong, because where we left off, didn't you say you had moved? This was now actually your fourth space, which was 2,500 square feet. But that's not the space you're at now, right? Is it, no, is we moved again. Move? Yes, one so, more move, so believe long, it or not. How long a fire, a flood, what happened? How long were you at the 2,500 square foot fourth space? I think from 2010 to 2013, because this okay. year, February, will be five years in our new space. Yeah. Okay. So you move again. Now again. Your, your fifth location. <laughs> and now cut to CrossFit Belltown. Yes. So here we are, fifth location. Uh, hopefully our last location. Um coming up on five years there. We finally found the right space that was big enough. It kind of had the right feel and appeal that we were going for. Um, just in a little different area, part of Belltown, which we liked. And we've been there since, and it's working really well. Now, you just glazed over so many things that, you know, a clinical psychologist could work on you for six months about. <laughs> you said it kind of had the look and feel that we liked. 
I mean, yes. I mean, you guys, that you guys literally spent a decent amount of time picking out like light fixtures and things. Oh yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah hours, give us. I mean, months. what was this look and feel that you were going for? Because traditional CrossFit gyms are just a, you know, and and they're getting prettier and prettier by the minute. That's for sure. Yeah. But back in the day, it was just a rugged rough warehouse and maybe you swept it out maybe you didn't sweep it out and that you guys went in a totally different direction yeah so if you go back to as you said I started in the uh bougie if you will globo gym I really liked that vibe and I thought there was a way to kind of mesh the two of having like a really comfortable vibe where people would want to hang out and it was you know, you had nice couches that people could sit on. People could enjoy a glass of alcohol after their workout. They could hang out. And there was a way to merge the non-functional world with CrossFit and take the things that I liked from that and the things that I really like about CrossFit and mesh the two. Awesome. So that was our goal. Yeah. And that, and now you kind of have a, you do have a bit of a, you have a lounge, I mean, don't you? As a part lounge. Of yeah, and I can't take all the credit for that. Eric, um, my fiance, is amazing at art and design, and he like spent so many hours. We both did, but he spent a lot of hours like making all of those art pieces in there. He put all of that together. Oh, um, wow. He's such a talented artist, and it spent. I mean, we spent. I can't even recall. Like I, I feel like I kind of blacked out through that point in time because it was so stressful, and we put in so much work. But it was months of like catalogs and tear sheets and spending hours at the paint store and you know going through lighting like what lighting is going to look good but actually provide decent light and it was unbelievable it was really fun but it was a huge process and if people think we're exaggerating and hope you haven't <laughs> created this story in my head haven't you had at least one person if not more like pedestrian in the sidewalk walk into your gym thinking that it was a different sort of business yeah, we had someone come in because they thought it was a wine bar. And so they wanted to know what, what this place was. And this was a little bit earlier. This was before people really knew what Amazing. CrossFit was. Yeah. So um, she ended up buying a membership, which is pretty cool. So No way. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. But not too many yeah. affiliates get confused for a wine bar. No. <laughs> so are, you, are you, I mean, the type of mind and personality to be so detail-oriented, to have such a focus, to have such a vision, and to create it, is it done? Are you content or do you walk in and still be like, ah, we got to change this. This didn't turn out right. Um, a little bit. There are always things that I want to change, but I don't know that I'll take the step to do that now, maybe down the road. Like it's working now, but I have ideas I have things I'd like to tweak and rearrange and organize and layout stuff. And, but. and who's <clears throat> who as cool as that is. And your affiliate is one of my favorites because it is so unique and, and, you Thank did, you. You did pull it off. Like, it's incredibly warm and welcoming, but at the same time, you can tell you can still get in a rugged workout there. But I don't want people listening to this with desires to potentially become a new affiliate think that if they open some place that just looks really nice, it will mm. become filled with clients. That no is, way. That is not the case. So how how is it that you're not just running a beautiful business, but you're running such an effective business that has the classes full like what's get what's getting the clients in there and what's keeping the clients there yeah it's definitely not the look and feel of the gym at all I would say um, we really focus on coaching like really teaching people how to move correctly how to move well our emphasis is on that and that is really what at the end of the day we pride ourselves on more so than the look and feel of the gym 
what's the trainer staff up to these days? Any idea? Um, let's see. I think we have about six, seven. Okay. Yeah. Most of our trainers are part-time. We don't have anybody that's full-time okay. with the exception of myself, obviously, and Eric. I was going to say, we know, you know, Rory and I from being involved with HQ, obviously, how busy a the job of being a flow master is yeah insanely it's not just hey you happen to work on the weekends i mean there's right. stuff happening all week long to right. make that happen properly so that on top of running an affiliate how involved are you these days with crossfit belltown what's your role well i coach anywhere between two and about eight hours a week okay. and then um i do the programming well we follow dot com but i do the like lesson plan stuff for the trainers. So I write all of that stuff. Obviously we have a front desk manager, which is great, but I'm still copied on all of the stuff, the day-to-day stuff of the affiliate, like people signing up inquiries, all of that. Um, <clears throat> and then just managing, like, I mean, there's so many little things that take place like, Oh, we need to replace this and we need to buy this piece of gear and you got to restock, you know, retail and branding and all of that stuff. So I'm doing a lot on the back end. They do nutrition stuff with our clients on the back end. We do individualized programming for people as well. So all of that stuff is what takes place and what I'm doing as far as the gym goes. Now, people who aren't familiar with Seattle, so you're in uh-huh. Belltown, across from Belltown. Yep. And Belltown is uh, one of the more peaceful uh, <laughs> areas of the city. Full, full, yes, full absolutely. Did, didn't you have... Didn't you have somebody, maybe it was in, at this location, it was at a different location, the last location. your clients were out at a 400-meter run, and then something happened? What, what, yes. T- tell us the situation, because it's so oh, unusual gosh. that I almost couldn't believe it was true. Okay. Um, we were in a, our last location, which was in not the best area of town, and it was a noon class. Our clients went out for a 400. I was the only person in the gym, and some guy I have to assume was just out of his mind on something comes up and starts screaming at me I'm going to effing kill you and I'm holding the door shut and he's yanking on my front door and I'm pulling it and he's just screaming at me and uh luckily someone had given us like a keychain that were like brass knuckles and I was like boom just held it up and he left <laughs> so no. brass knuckles around our gym like little like tinker toy type things nothing's gonna mess uh-huh. anybody up and that's kind of where that stemmed from, because had I not had that little keychain, I don't know what would have happened. But Was this man brandishing spoons? <laughs> Looking for some payback. Was there, was there any chance that this would come full circle from the hippie fairy dust uh, no-shoes band? Oh, boy. Now, it's possible. I, I've, I mean, we, we laugh and we joke about it, but I've never been. I mean, you were literally a woman pulling a door shut with every muscle fiber in her body while some crazed man is trying to rip the door open, threatening your very existence. Yeah. And you're in the midst of trying to coach a class for your business. Right. And you scare him off, and then, you know, the 400-meter runners uh, come back, which you probably never wanted people to run so fast in their entire life. Right. Did all things come to a halt as you were, like, shaking and sweating and told them what happened, or did you just start coaching again? No, I just started coaching. I'm like, all right, guys, let's go. <laughs> well while you done. were there, it was going to be okay. You know, it's fine. Like, uh, you Well know. done. Crossfit <laughs> women and business owners, they're a tough breed. Got to get but it Pat, done, man. <laughs> Pat told me that story, actually, before we, start, before we started the show, and I was thinking to myself, like, ironically, you probably wanted the slowest runner. You needed the slowest runner to get back first because that would tr- – 
typically be like the biggest dude. You know what I mean? Right. Like your fastest runner is going to come back. And what help is that? You're like, ah, exactly. no, get, out, get out of here. 5k specialist. <laughs> Uh, that that's crazy time. So uh, how long have the doors been open? Like let's go across all locations. Like how long has your affiliate been in existence? Well, starting with the first one that was under the different name, Queen Anne, 2008. So March, I believe of 2008. You're coming up on the decade. I know. Business owner too, dude. Isn't that wild? You're working your way up to Flowmaster, um, and also like a successful business. So that, that jumps out to me because I, uh, this year there's a lot of affiliates who are going to come up on a decade and you're mm-hmm. coming close. Um, I don't know. Like, there's got to be so many lessons in there, but sort of the same thing as you would give advice to your past self in the seminar world. Um, I don't know. When do you feel like you kind of, when did you feel like you had made it? When, when did you feel like you could kind of relax a little bit and focus on the little things instead of just surviving? Like there was no more floods. There was no more location changes. No one was coming after you. Um, I don't know if I've ever gotten there. Really? To be honest, like yeah. it's just never ending. Like there's always something I'm like, oh, we could do this better. We, I've never had the opportunity. I don't feel like to just sit back and be like, everything is how it should be. Yeah. I mean, there are periods of time I'm lucky where I can take a week off, you know, if I need to and I can unplug. Um, but I mean, it's always there. Yeah, there's that's always maybe one of the one of the keys to your success, right? Like, uh, yeah. The survival rates of small businesses, even for just for five years, it lots of most people will fall off, right? Right. So um, maybe that's it. It's just always kind of striving for perfection. Right. Conversely, do you look back at all that time and are there one or two large mistakes that you made in growing your business or whatnot along the way that if you had a time machine, you would go back and tweak them a little bit? Yeah, maybe. I think there was a while there where... Um, I really wanted people to like CrossFit and like what we were doing. And so I would want to do things to make a lot of people happy. So I'd be like, okay, well we can do this and people will be happy and we'll do this and people will be happy. And in retrospect, I would really just, I don't think you can, you can't please everybody. So just set out to do what, you know, you feel is best and, you know, the people that belong there and that get your vision and get what you want to do will be there with you. And it's not about trying to please everybody, I don't think. I think that's just unrealistic expectation to have. I would have to agree with that. You know, and then and then if you are doing that, you're potentially watering down your message because you if you're Absolutely. trying to please a hundred different people, you can't have a hundred different messages like right. exactly. your gym, your ethos, your mission statement, if it's if it bends and yields to everyone that walks in the door. Right. And you don't really have an identity. Yep. We get made fun of a lot for kind of being strict or having rules and policies and this and that. But, you know, I felt like when I didn't do that or when we didn't have that, that's when, I don't know, I just felt like we weren't doing our best. And if I was really just trying to appease everybody by not having these certain standards or rules that people need to abide by. And once we really took that turn and said, this is going to be legitimately how we do everything. We're going to have <clears throat> processes. We're going to have procedures. And then if people don't like it, well, then this isn't the place for them. I think that's, I think that's perfectly fair. And people, whether they know it or not, people, you know, people crave structure, you know, and right. they know what they're getting. And so if you're out, you're providing a consistent product, consistent message, consistent experience, mm-hmm. I think that's only going to uh, serve you well in the long run. So You've been at this game for a while. I mean, you're a talented CrossFit trainer, athlete. You went to regionals five times. Is it safe to say you've developed a recent passion for Olympic lifting? 
<laughs> I do enjoy Olympic lifting. It is fun. And, uh, you know, Pat, to be fair, I did start that because it was what I was terrible at. True. Very, nice. very true. Very true. You're, you're in the small but mighty crew, right? I mean, you're not a, a large human. So the strength <laughs> is something you're always working on. Right. Like I remember distinctly Josh Everett working a seminar with him and he wanted to work snatches one day. We were doing squat snatches and I could not squat snatch the 45 pound bar. And this is when I was on seminar staff. This is like 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, this is a problem. So. And so now from struggling with a 45 pound bar to mm -hmm. now, what's it at? Um, 140. That's it. Wow. That's not a big number, I you know. Put 100 pounds on your lift. <laughs> I know, but I mean, it's you know. It's all relative. 40, I mean, so. what do you weigh? 113. Yeah, okay. That's a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic lift. You know, well above body weight snatch. I think most people would be extremely happy with that. Yeah. Man, very cool. And you've done a little bit of, uh, of competing as well, right? I have. It's pretty fun. It's so different than CrossFit, but it's really fun. And is there, you're, what is it, it's 39, are you, are you in the master's category? I'm in the master's right? category. I believe this year I get to compete with the 40-year-olds. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Ooh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, Rory did win the liftoff for his division. Did you really? I don't want to brag. Hey, hey there's, 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 a big, there's a big caveat there. There's I'm going to just keep saying there. that without saying the caveat that Rory What happened? I don't even know the story. What happened? Uh, my man, Ben Alderman. You know Ben? Yeah. Ben, uh didn't consult the rule book on a on on a lift that you, on something that you would not think would disqualify your lift but it's very clearly in the rule book and he took what did he take 360 pounds jerked it but missed the jerk but and came to a re-rack uh-huh and then jerked the freaking weight again oh 360 no. pounds but that was how do you do that oh but how do you do that i know an animal but, so what i was but what I, so his lift was disqualified so ben did not win Ben would have won, uh, but I would have been second place. What and, division are you in, Rory? Well, this is sorry. This is in NorCal, thirty-five to thirty-nine. Gotcha. Masters. Those, yeah, that's awesome. Those are just extra words. Those are all extra words. Okay, you are a gold <laughs> champion. Medal is the champion only word we winner. need to know. Yeah, you are. You that's won. Right. That's, that's awesome. Right. You exactly. can appreciate this too. Now, I went home that day and I was like, Ange, just don't want you to treat me any differently now that I'm a champion. All right? <laughs> <laughs> She's vomited into her mouth. Like. <laughs> Go clean the dishes. I'm, still I'm just going like to start FBO. calling you the champ now. You're the champ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's your name. If you, if hey, you that's your mind. call. If you're comfortable with it. Yeah. <laughs> I said, babe, we're moving to Cookville. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh, uh, my goodness. Well, yeah, I actually saw, again, um, in your pursuit of the 15 bodyweight overhead squats. Oh, oh yeah. Man. For people who people don't know uh, who are listening, that's uh, an amazing major benchmark is to take your own body weight, put it overhead, and squat it 15 times Um in a row and you got what 13 yes i failed on my 14th dude that's epic so frustrating i've but, failed on my 15th rep once but oh, but again God. back to the 45 pound bar you know whatever yeah nine, nine years ago that's a huge huge show of improvement it was i was pretty excited about that that 15 man is so tough have you guys tried that Matt? you can do that can't you i can do that me rory can Oh, I would yeah. think oh, the so row jealous. could. I would think the row could. I, you know, my overhead is nothing to, uh, <laughs> to write home about. That's not my, that's not my forte. Row is one of those people that I hate. I hate on so <laughs> many uh, levels. You know, what I mean, it's just. First of all, he's just you know a big handsome guy. So that that that's hateful right there. Go on. And then, he is just. 
he looks like this big football player guy, which you would think would be tight as a drum. He's super flexible in every joint of his body for just what I can assume is no apparent reason. It annoys me <laughs> to no end. Right. Uh, oh, close, great grip, mover. close grip overhead squat. Yeah, no problem. Warm up. Who has to warm up? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't uh, I don't know what any of this has to do with me overhead squatting Nadia's body weight. <laughs> That's what we were talking about, right? I can do her body weight 15 times, no problem. Oh, jeez. Uh, but uh, oh, if, yeah, if you have good positioning, it will be to your benefit in the overhead squat, and I uh, am not in that camp, that's for sure. Oh, it's advantageous, boy. but um, no, your movement looked fantastical. You you got that, uh, your overhead squats is like your butt touching the ground, dude. I'm going to start doing, doing some <laughs> oldie stuff. Get down there, get low. Well, well, my friend, yeah, I, we've, think, uh, I think we have just a, a, a taken full advantage of, you know, every moment that we have here. I mean, we've, we've come all the way from about 10 years to the <laughs> present day. <laughs> all hey and never left our pajamas i know it's the best is, part right which is my favorite part of the whole thing um <laughs> my one of my parting questions is that over your shoulder is a christmas tree oh you can see that yeah some people have a tradition of getting rid of that when what's your tradition like when is the when does the christmas tree say bye-bye or does that stay year-round i would love to keep it year-round to be honest um last year i think we kept it through january <laughs> Nice. I, I respect so, that. I was so sad. I don't want the holidays to be over, but um, we're probably going to take it down this week. All right. Yeah. And my, my second parting question, and I'll give you Sherwood's answer to this question was probably the most phenomenal thing that I've ever heard in my life. Really? But uh, I don't know when this will publish, but we are speaking to you on the second day of 2018. So are you a New Year's resolution type person or it could just be goals in general, but what are those goals for this coming year? Mm, okay. I have not, I'm not a huge on New Year's resolutions, to be honest. Okay. I do kind of just change stuff as I see fit throughout the year, but I will set some athletic goals and a couple personal goals. I have yet to do that. One thing I am starting today, though, and it's only 30 days, is 30 days no added sugar. Nice. Uh, yeah. I'm going to try no, I'm going to try no crappy oils and a couple other things as well. So. That nice starts you. today. That's yeah. that's a lofty goal. That's no joke. Like I, I'm being dead serious. Good on you. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. I asked Pat that same question before the show, and he said, "I, I don't know. I'd like to eat a vegetable." <laughs> Just a sometime start, in 2018. I'm not gonna <laughs> say in January. Sometime. That was it. Deeply consider eating one. Right, right. Potato chips don't count. Right, exactly. So, yeah. Well, good. Or ice cream. Congratulations, and I wish you nothing but success. <laughs> thanks Matt all right uh we like to tell people where they can find you if you want to be found I went to your Facebook page which has not been updated since 2013 <laughs> I don't use Facebook the, the only information it gave me was that she listens to Rihanna and she likes CrossFit <laughs> so, so, so Facebook's probably not a good place but if people do want to get in touch with you that you want to hear from where should they go um you can find me on Instagram it's just Nadia Shatila all right, or, All right. or pop into CrossFit Belltown if you find yourself in the beautiful city of Seattle. Yes, absolutely. Anybody's welcome anytime in this wonderful city. Uh, 12th man, right? Oh, good <laughs> grief. Let's not go down that road. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, CrossFit Belltown, Instagram, um, those are probably the two easiest places. Cool. And uh, when, when can me and Pat expect to maybe run into you cross paths in the near future? 
come to California anytime soon or, or what, what's on the horizon? Mm, I don't know. I don't have any seminars in California. Probably will not see you guys till what, the games? The outlook uh, is grim. Unacceptable. Because unacceptable. The outlook is grim for a link. <laughs> yeah, that is true. You guys should come on up here. Maybe we'll come to you. Yeah, we'll come see, come see the Spoon Show. Yes. Come visit. Yeah, I need to. <laughs> well, before I begin, become more incriminated, thank you very much for stopping by, Nadia. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for having me, you guys. All right, sweetheart. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Nadia. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Oh, man, I could have done that all day with Nadia. Walking down memory lane, lots of lessons to be learned. We hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. If you have ideas for shows, throw them out there. Hit us up at patandrowshow at crossfit.com if you have questions, concerns, comments. See you guys out on the interwebs.